Have you ever wondered what your therapist has figured out about life's big questions? I know I have. We therapists spend thousands of hours talking to clients and patients in our moments, in their moments of crisis, and we hear the deepest secrets and fears. And this has generated a huge pool of insight into human nature. And unfortunately, we therapists also have a long history and culture of anonymity and secrecy. And I want to move past that. In this show, I want to push myself and other therapists to share what we know, what we've learned, and how we apply that to our own lives. So in this first episode, I'm going to tell you the main idea of the show. I'm going to tell you who this show is for and who it might not be for. I'm going to tell you a bit about my story and my experiences that might be relevant. So why should you listen to me and care about my perspective? I'll tell you about the format of the show so you know what to expect, the types of guests, the types of questions. I'll tell you what you will get if you listen, how this will help you, how this would be fun and interesting, and how you might change your life a little bit for the better. And today, if you stick around to the end, I will give you a bit of a, uh, a hack, uh, even though the show really isn't about hacks, but, but a bit of a daily practice, maybe that's a better way of putting it, of how to uh, combine some ideas that come from Viktor Frankl and from hypnosis and Mike Mandel to, into a daily practice so that every day you can build a little bit more meaning, and purpose into your life. Stay tuned. So the world of therapies and therapists is vast and confusing, especially to lay people who may not know the, the evolution of all these different wide-ranging therapists. And also, I think that there is a connection between the type of therapy that people do and our personality, that basically there are there's evidence-based treatments, but most of us don't see a patient and then pick the best evidence-based treatment. We have our own style that fits with our own personality. And so by, by talking with individual therapists and seeing what is their niche and how did, how did they evolve into that niche and what have they learned and how do they apply it to their lives, I think we will learn things that are generalizable, and we will also learn how to pick what might be the right kind of treatment and what might not be the right kind of treatment for us. Another main premise of the show is that it it can be confusing to tell the difference between uh, a symptom and a sign, and our body may just be telling us by being anxious or depressed, that may just be our internal compass telling us that we need to make a change in our lives. And sometimes I feel like uh, our true north as human beings is meaning. And instead of medicating a symptom uh, or making it go away with some kind of a, a, a focused treatment, we need to sort of listen to that symptom and let it sort of guide our lives and move our lives into a more of a direction of meaning and purpose. And I I want to hear how other people engage with this question of what is the difference between 
a symptom that we need to treat and a sign that we need to listen to to change our lives. So who is this show for? This show is for me and meaning nerds, people, nerdy people who struggle with existential ideas and have fun with that too at times. Uh, It's for clients and patients and therapists and for anyone who wants this kind of a window into human nature. So who am I and why would you care at all about my perspective? I think I should tell you a little bit about my own story so you you can get my angle and bias. So I was born in Germany and then I grew up in Western Mass and moved back and forth between Germany and, and Massachusetts a, a bit. And I come from a super sciencey family. And my grandfather on my mom's side was, uh, he got a Founders Award for founding the field of thermodynamics. His name is Ernst Eckert. He was one of the uh, Czechoslovakian rocket science scientists that the Americans smuggled out in Operation Paperclip after World War II to help start the American space program. And that basically saved my mom's family from really bad post-war situations. And so she always had this perspective that the world is about to fall apart, but if you are a scientist, then you have skills that people are going to want and you'll be okay. So for me, there was always a big push to go into science. And I felt like I was had a more natural affinity for humanities. And so that was a struggle. And it led to a lot of phases and, uh, and transitions. So as a teenager, I got really into existentialism and Nietzsche and philosophy. And I became uh, kind of a, a punk rock nerd uh, playing bass, and I had a plant haircut and sort of John Lennon round glasses. So when I got to Columbia, I promptly killed my poor mom's dreams of me being a scientist by getting a D in chemistry and sending a message that science is not for me, and I moved on with an interest in philosophy and then uh, some interest in economics. But at some point, I started to feel like the old philosophical debates, uh, which I was really interested in, were going in circles, and that science really allowed us to do experiments that would answer some piece of the question and move the discussion forward. So this uh, sinking realization, or this nagging realization, came back, and I started to think that maybe I do want to incorporate and combine science and an interest in these philosophical questions. So I got inspired by the great neuroscientists at Columbia, like uh, Nobel Prize winner Eric Kandel, and I changed my major to biology psychology. And I got a research position in the lab of a professor named Jeffrey Zube, who was studying the origins of life. And he was really a mainstream cancer biologist who had written one of the main biochemistry textbooks, and he totally lost interest in cancer. And he decided that all he cared about was figuring out how life came about from non-living chemicals. So 
right around that time, it was discovered that RNA could act as an enzyme as well as carrying genetic information. And so that led to an RNA world hypothesis that the first self-replicating living molecules that could evolve and mutate were RNA strands. And so he had this idea that you could assemble the building blocks on clay and mineral surfaces. And so I spent a, a really an amazing summer in his huge empty lab with him lighting cigarettes on his Bunsen burner and making instant coffee on his Bunsen burner and suggesting experiments. I ended up publishing a paper in Origins of Life and getting money to go to a conference in Barcelona and meeting lots of interesting people and getting more excited about science and philosophical aspects of science. And that then led me to graduate school, then interested in neuroscience, where I had a problem, which was that I didn't want to kill animals. And so I ended up studying neuroscience in yeast, which, yes, you heard that right. Um, so yeast is a eukaryotic fungus. It has a nucleus, and it shares all the DNA that uh, humans and mammals and higher organisms have, or anything that's in yeast is there in humans too. And so yeast can recognize a chemoattractant and extend an actin-based process, and the signaling machinery and the cytoskeleton um, machinery is the same in a growth cone as in a yeast cell. And so I was able to uh, identify a new protein complex and identify genes and, and publish papers and go to conferences and give talks. And that all was exciting and went well on the one hand. But on the other hand, I really felt far removed from my original interest in understanding people and human nature. And something in me felt like there was a lack of meaning. And that was, you know, yet another crisis in meaning. And, and that led me to sort of search around. And ultimately, I decided to set up a field biology project in the rainforest in El Yunque. And I was studying mushrooms there and teaching at a small college and and surfing, and really kind of answering a personal question, which was, why are we all on this rat race? Why are we all working so hard? Maybe it would be better just to ch chill out and, and surf and enjoy the nice nature and, and world around us. But by that point, I had realized that I really was interested in, in people and in becoming a therapist and becoming a psychiatrist, which was a little bit of a dreadful realization because at that point I was already 30 and it seemed like a crazy idea in many ways to go to medical school. But at that point I had a PhD and I felt like that was an option and I, I decided that I would do it and I did. And I became an adult and child psychiatrist. I got married. I had kids. I... Uh, stayed at Columbia as a faculty there. And I had a private practice where I worked together with a lot of therapists and did med management. And that was all well and good until the pandemic and uh, turning 50 and coming to a realization that there's really a lot more interesting stuff out there and that I 
really want to learn and do and and become more active creatively. And so I really went on this sort of whirlwind of learning and became really excited after reading Bessel van der Kock's uh, Body Keeps the Score book. And um, I had at that time, I'd learned uh, hypnosis and I had a mentor who was an expert in trauma who said, oh, learn EMDR. And, And that was a really amazing different perspective from the psychodynamic perspective. And, and then uh, that led to an interest in IFS, internal family systems therapy, and getting interested in that, and also in breath, body, mind work, Richard Brown's program, combining yoga, qigong, breathing, and relaxation techniques as a treatment of, of trauma. And then now also uh, becoming trained in using ketamine and getting interested in what's happening in, with psychedelics. So, so much interesting stuff has happened. And I have gone on this mission to just really educate myself and learn and then see what I can do with that creatively. So, what is the format of this show? I envision it as sort of a mashup between uh, kind of Mark Marin WTF style, where he interviews comedians about where does their comedy come from i want to interview therapists where do you, where does your therapy style come from and uh and then tim ferris's podcasts where he interviews amazingly high performances about their daily habits and practices and i want to interview therapists about their daily habits and practices and what can we take away and apply to our own lives So what will you get if you listen? Hopefully, you will get insight, new perspective, and ways that you can learn and apply these learnings to your own life and how to build more meaning and purpose into your own life. So I promised that I would end with a little bit of a mashup of uh, Viktor Frankl and Mike Mandel. Victor Frankl, again, is the um, amazing psychiatrist who survived multiple concentration camps in World War II, including Auschwitz, and ended up writing a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which was hugely influential in starting a a school of psychotherapy called logotherapy. He famously said, "If for, for those of us who have a why to live for, uh, you know, the how becomes uh, not so hard." This is a terrible paraphrase, but uh, he he's sort of the authority on meaning. And so, if you read his books, uh, I believe that he he sort of breaks it down into sort of meaning has four different components. One of them is uh, relationships. People get a lot of meaning from their relationships. Another is accomplishments and achievements. Another domain is experiences, seeing the the sun come up or living through 9-11 or any number of events, any, any experience can carry meaning with it. And then he also said that meaning can come from tolerating suffering, um, unavoidable suffering. If, he says if, you, if you're suffering and you can avoid it, you should avoid it. But if you're stuck in a concentration camp or some horrible situation and you cannot 
get out of it simply by bearing that burden in a you know in a in a way that sort of has uh, has meaning in and of itself so those are the sort of the four elements and uh, feel free to email me or call me and, and correct me but then there's also a really interesting uh, hypnotist and I'm going to talk a lot in this show I think about hypnosis because it's uh, it's really it precedes Freud it's a, it's a royal road another royal road into the unconscious which which I'm fascinated by and the hypnotists really have sort of figured out a lot about how we work and how we can um, change our perspectives and and so Mike Mandel uh, suggests sort of self-hypnosis, hypnotizing ourselves to build more meaning and purpose. And, and so he has a program where he talks about sort of visualizing uh, your ideal self and, and where you want to go. And there, there, there's lots of stuff like that out there. But one thing I thought was helpful from him was Asking yourself questions, thinking about what are the right questions to ask yourself and, and not sort of having a necessarily a to-do list. Today I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to journal and then I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Those are all great. But having a list of questions in, in your mind sort of sets your reticular activating system, your, your point of focus in your mind on certain goals. It sort of sets your unconscious mind so that you're, you're aware of what to pick up in your environment, how to move your life in the direction that you want to go. How do you do that? Well, you could ask yourself, you know, what can I do today to build more meaning and purpose in, into my life? I, I do that. Uh, and then that's sort of running in the background or how can, what can I do today? And it's important to, to start this question with what can I do today? So my list includes what can I do to, today to help somebody, to be helpful to somebody? What can I do today to build better relationships? What can I do today to um, build this podcast? This is a creative project that's really important to me. So that's, that's one of the things that I have on my list. Um, what can I do to become a better doctor? care a lot about being a good doctor. So then that ends up with uh, being present. I need to be present. I need to read and learn. Um, I need to be available. I need to take care of myself. And then lastly, what can I do today to be healthier and stronger? So our, our body is uh, the vessel that carries out uh, me, whatever meaning there is. So so those are kind of five questions. And then in the back, I, I sort of draw a hand. Maybe I'll put this on my website. Uh, and, and then in the center of it, I write fun, which is sort of an anchor. Like all of the things that, that I do, I try to sort of filter through a lens of how can I have fun doing that. And, and I'll talk a lot about fun as an important element of, of meaning as we go on. And I do this when I journal in the morning. I have a whole system of journaling, which maybe I'll take you through. Probably I will uh, if you stay tuned on episodes going forward. 
and so I will draw a hand. I will have these five questions. What can I do today to one, two, three, four, five, and fun. And then at the end of the day, I will wind down. I have sort of a wind down ritual where I reflect and I sort of rate myself on a sort of a one to five scale of what did I do to help someone today? Was this, uh, you know, three is just like neutral, average. Uh, one or two is kind of negative, like I didn't really do enough. And four or five is um, good and better. And so I, I sort of rate and, and, and then I, sometimes I'll, I'll make a list of, well, what were the most meaningful things that I did? Um, yesterday, the most meaningful things I did were uh, I walked my daughter to the school bus. I actually took my son out of school and we biked across town to a, uh, an a orth, uh, appointment, a doctor's appointment, checking out his back. We ate lunch from a, a truck. Um, so, and then in the afternoon, I did a, a ketamine session that was with, with a colleague learning how to, uh, begin to use that as a tool. So, so all those, and then, and then I went out with an old friend who was, uh, sort of has been looking for a job now for a year and, and we just went and had a beer in the park and commiserated a bit. And uh, so it was a pretty meaningful day yesterday, I got to say. And we'll see what today brings. Thank you for joining me. I'm really excited that you're here. I um, have a really exciting guest coming up um, talking about felt sense and, and how, you know, meaning has these components that Viktor Frankl described but what is it? It is also has something to do with a felt sense. And the guy that came up with that term felt sense is Eugene Gendelin, a philosophy professor at University of Chicago in the 70s who, who became a therapist and invented a type of therapy called focusing. So that's going to be really interesting. Thanks for being here. I hope you subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter. And if you figure out the meaning of life, let me know. Shouldn't be, she says, as she turned on campus, no particular tone of